listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, for leading us so well on the last Sunday of the year, last team of the year. Woo! Awesome. So good. Well, man, I am so glad you guys are here this morning. Um, I hope that, I sincerely hope that you had an amazing Christmas, like that it was just all out good. Like, I just, I'm, I'm praying that, uh, that your Christmas was blessed. I know ours was, even though we were fighting um, a flu that kind of felt like the Black Plague or something like that, that like just, man, this thing just like hangs on and hangs on and hangs on. Anybody else had that so far? Yeah, it's just crazy. Everybody in my family has had it except for my youngest son, and he's now sniffling, so we'll see how that goes. But <laughs> but our Christmas was just over the top with God's goodness. He is just so good to us, and we're so thankful for it. And, and when, when Christmas is over, a few days later, I always get into like a little bit of a funk. Does, do you know what I mean? Like, does anybody know what I mean? Like, it's just like this, there are these weird post-Christmas vibes in the air that kind of just like disorient me or something. I don't know, but my, my wife and I read this post from this author, Jen Hatmaker, and I thought it was funny. I thought I'd share with you guys is that she said this, uh, anyone else having a case of the post-Christmas blues? After so much hype, it just feels hard and weird to re-enter life. I'm kind of low-grade mad at everybody and generally cranky. And, and my wife and I were both like, yes, like, I, I'm just kind of low-grade mad and cranky. Like, this is, this is the post-Christmas blues. And, and you know, like, it, Christmas aftermath is, is always rough, especially for kids. And, you know, we do our best to teach our boys to understand that Christmas is not about getting, it's about giving and that the reason why we give gifts is because we we received the greatest gift in existence the day that Jesus was born to the earth and and, and so and Jesus is the reason why we celebrate Christmas and so we do the, our best to 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 teach him that but before you know it just like that underneath the tree is bare right and and the wrapping paper that was cut with precision, right? Just like stealthy precision. My wife even has like a tool to cut wrapping paper. Like the wrapping paper that was cut with precision and the bows that were tied so neatly and delicately are all on the floor, torn in pieces, right? And, and, and awaiting for their inevitable disposal, right? And, a single Christmas cookie will eventually be stranded on a plate alone, waiting for someone bold enough and selfish enough to consume it, right? Leaving an empty tray showing the whole of Santa's face, right? And, and like when I think about it in those terms, no wonder I get in like a Christmas funk, like the, like the Christmas blues, but... And and like it never happened, fickle society wants us to shift our focus to New Year's already. 
right? And with that shift comes all kinds of questions like, what is my resolution going to be? What am I going to do differently this year than I did last year? Like, like how can I make this year better than the last one? And, and the unavoidable question that you almost can't ask without singing, what are you doing, New Year's? New Year's Eve, right? I'm still getting my voice back, sorry. <clears throat> to which I always answer, well, I'll probably be at home in my jammies by 8.30 and passed out by 10. <laughs> you know, in case you didn't know, I, I'm an old soul. <laughs> I'm an old soul. I guarantee Terry has better New Year's Eve plans than I do. I just guarantee it. <laughs> Terry, if you don't know Terry, he is a party animal. Um, but... Uh, With a new year comes a lot of evaluation, like life evaluation, after we frantically ask ask ourselves all the aforementioned questions, we begin to look at our lives through these filters and and imagine if we enhanced it with with, with one filter or another. Like, think about when you add a photo to social media, right? Like, I... Like, that, that's a photo I would probably put on social media, maybe. My wife would tell me no, but I would do it anyways. So, um, but, but, like, think about it when you add a filter to social media, right? Or add a photo to social media, rather. There are all these filters you can choose from, right, to, to enhance your photo and, and make it seemingly better than it already is, although I'm not sure how that could get any better. Um, some, some brighten the colors, right? Some will brighten the colors. Some will make it uh, black and white, right? Um, Some will make it look like it was taken in 1962, right? Like, it's the same photo that you took on your phone, but enhanced according to what kind of look you want the end result to be. And, And I think around this time, people are prone to swiping through all the filters right? To see which one will make their life better in the new year. Whoa, that's scary. Take that away, Mark. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to frighten anyone. I apologize. Um, but there, there are all these filters that people will just like look at their life through like, oh no, I don't want that one. Oh, that one makes me look fat. Oh, you know, like, um, and, and, and so we view our, around New Year's Eve, we always view our lives, our, the upcoming year, through what filter am I going to choose for the new year? And, 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 there's like, and filters aren't all bad, even those, those were all bad. Um, uh, filters aren't all bad. There are filters like health, you know, which is a great filter to view your next year through. through. Like, what would my life look like if I ate? better food and exercised more? What if I drank less booze and more water, right? Like, well, the result of applying that filter to my life would be that I would probably lose weight. I would have more energy. I would probably just in general feel better and be less tired all the time. And this is a great filter to view your life through. Um, and, And another one, that we might swipe to when we're evaluating the upcoming year is, is we may swipe to the filter of money. What, what, uh, what if this year I saved more money and spent less on things I don't really need? What if I 
cut up my credit cards and focused on paying off my debt? What if I took a portion of my paycheck and put it into a savings account and instead of spending it all, uh, the result of enhancing your life with that filter would be that maybe you're less stressed towards the end of the month. Uh, because you have a better grasp on your finances. Maybe when the car breaks down, it won't be so devastating, right? Maybe after some hard work of paying off debt and saving some money, you could take that vacation you always wanted to. Like, this is an awesome filter to apply to your life as well. If this is something you're considering this year, I highly recommend that you find a place that is hosting a Financial Peace University course by Dave Ramsey. And you and your spouse, if you have one, you go sign up. I guarantee it will help. But there are literally thousands and thousands of filters you can choose to view your 2018 through. There are thousands of them. Like, like I want to be more adventurous this year, or I want to take more risks, or I want to learn a new skill, or I want to learn how to enjoy my kids more, or maybe I want to learn how to enjoy them in the first place. <laughs> the options are endless. I mean, they really are. And, and, and lots of them are healthy and good filters to, to choose from. The danger comes in when we begin to look at, our, look at the lives of others and say, I want my life to look more like that. I want my life to look more like that. I want my life to look more like Terry's life this year. And, and uh, you know, especially if you're viewing their lives on social media, which I hope by now we are all aware that Facebook and Instagram is not, in fact, real life. It's not. Friends, I'm here to tell you that comparison is a joy thief, a joy killer, and it will steal your joy every time and leave you feeling less than. So don't let that happen. But there's one really important filter that I haven't mentioned yet that holds the ability to drastically change what 2018 could look like for you. And that filter doesn't come in the form of an action or a task. It comes in the form of a question. And the question is, what if Jesus were to return this year? What if this year marked the return of the king? What if Jesus came back this year? We spent all of December talking about the humble king we serve and about how God the Father sent Jesus from heaven to earth mysteriously, fully man, yet fully God. And he came in a completely unassuming way, being born in a stable and laid asleep where animals fed. He, he came into the world quiet and humble and perfect with the purpose of paying an ungodly price so that there could be divine intimacy with God again for imperfect people like you and me. That is, that is how the one who would later be named the king of kings entered the world. The bookends of any normal life are life and death, but the bookends of this king, King Jesus, would go from life to life. 
He lived on this earth a perfect, blameless life and died an agonizing, unwarranted sinner's death on a cross. But when they placed his lifeless body in the tomb and they closed it with a stone, hope was not lost because, friends, that wasn't the end of the story. Three days Three days dead and buried, and life began to spring forth. Not only was the stone rolled away, but the only thing left in the tomb were the grave clothes that were no longer necessary. Because death's grip on Jesus was only temporary. Pretty soon, the resurrected Jesus came near again to those whom loved him. And he taught them many things from the Father. And Acts 1 describes this beautifully by saying, he presented himself alive to them after he has suffered by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. This must have felt like the dawn of a new age to the disciples. In their human minds, they must have been thinking this is the time when all the wrongs will be set right again in the kingdom because the king has returned. Verses 6 through 11 go on to describe this interaction. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. He will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. So Jesus returns from the grave shows himself to his followers, and they immediately think it must be time to lay the smack down on the Roman government, right? Like, it's got to be time, right? And they understandably believed that now that the king has returned, it was their time. And when, we, when they asked Jesus if this was the case, his response was a little strange. He said, it is not For you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And in verse 8, Jesus makes them a promise. He makes them a promise, and, and it's this. You will receive power. You will receive power, but this power wasn't to defeat armies or overthrow kings, which is what they thought was going to happen. No, this power is from the Holy Spirit and is for spreading the message of King Jesus throughout our neighborhoods and nations. That's a different kind of power than, they, than the disciples were expecting. And Jesus, is, Jesus didn't respond to the disciples 
question by condemning. He answered their question with a commission. It wasn't a con- it, he wasn't condemning them. He was commissioning them. And in verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what happens next is something that even George Lucas couldn't dream up, right? It, it, go, it goes on to say in verse 9 that as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as they went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus gives his followers this amazing promise of power and a commission for what to do with it. And and then like something out of a dream, Jesus is lifted up by a cloud. And this isn't just any ordinary rain cloud, though. It's this was a glory cloud. This is a cloud that as described throughout scriptures, It surrounds the very presence of God. The Bible doesn't say anything about him, about Jesus changing into a spirit beforehand. It doesn't say anything that before he was taken up into heaven, his form changed in any way. It just says that he was taken up by the very presence of God. And Jesus ascending into heaven, still fully man and fully God. And that's the way he will return to the earth. Before the disciples could blink or pick their jaws up off the floor, they they were startled by two men dressed in white, and that's code for angels, if you don't know. That's just code throughout the Bible. Men in white, angels. And, And these angels remind the Christ followers what this promised power is for. They remind them what this promised power is for, to fulfill the commission. In verse 11, it says this, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This, is, this, this startling reminder, this, the, those guys must have been startled. I mean, they were, they were just like, huh? You know, like, it must have been startling, but this, what the angels say, this is the filter I want us as a family of believers to to view 2018 through. You may be headed into 2018 much like the disciples, a little confused, and not really sure what's going to happen next, staring off somewhere in the distance looking for Jesus but not really seeing him and, and realizing that what you thought was going to happen isn't what's happening. That's not what's happening. And, and this honestly can be a paralyzing feeling. I have been there so many times. That's why out of the haze, two God-sent voices called out to remind the disciples of the job that they were left with. And that this is not the end of the story. To those of you who are feeling this way, I want to be that voice calling out to you now. Life can feel so heavy sometimes. 
It's so easy for our focus to go off mission and, and begin to feel purposeless. We can go from living the life we were called to live to settling for a life of crisis management so fast. I mean, it happens in the blink of an eye. Friends, if you have accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, your life has a divine call on it and an extraordinary purpose. And I urge you to look at this year and all its possibilities through that filter. Jesus gave us power and authority through the Holy Spirit to be his hands and feet, not just to the people all over the world, but to the people we encounter daily, too. He calls us to the nations, but he also calls us to our neighborhoods. Lots of people think evangelism of this kind happens best on a platform. Like, if I can just get my friend to come to a big church event, maybe they'll have fun and start coming regularly. And and that's all fine and good, but the truth is that we've found that letting an event do the work for you is not the most effective way to help people experience Jesus. Jesus told Peter and Andrew in Matthew 4.19, Follow me, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And there's this mentality out there right now that if, if, if the church just throws a big enough event, if we cast a big enough net, if we throw a big enough event or we, we get the biggest net we can find and we just throw it out there with all the right bells and whistles that people will start coming to church. And honestly, that works awesome for some churches. But I believe deeply that the most effective way to catch a fish is with a pole. Because poles are personal, and nets are about numbers. If we all begin to see ourselves as individuals who Jesus called to be a fisher of men for his kingdom, that puts a whole different spin on what evangelism looks like. One of the most powerful evangelism tools we all possess is our own story of what God has done for us. If you haven't told that story in a while, my challenge for you today or tomorrow, sometime in the very early part of the new year, go over that story and know it so that when the opportunity arises, you can share it with clarity. I would encourage you to even write it out in your journal or on your computer somewhere so that you have to take the time to remember it and put it into words. Because people don't care what you know. They don't care how many Bible studies you've done. They don't care that you know the book of Revelations inside out. They don't care what you know about God or Jesus. They don't care what you know until they know that you care. And taking the time to share your story not only helps people understand what God has done for you, but it communicates that you care enough about them to share it with them. This is the job Jesus left us with, to be his witnesses to our neighbors and nations. So why is this so important for the new year? I want to have the worship team come on back up. So why is this so important to the new year? Why should 
we consider making this the primary filter that we apply to our lives this year? My answer is this. Because this year could mark the return of the king. No one knows when it will be, which gives us a false sense of security that it won't be tomorrow. But my question is, do you know that for sure? The Lord gave John a vision in, Re- in the book of Revelations, chapter 1, of, the, of what the return of Jesus would look like. And it uses a lot of analogies that would have been commonplace in the day that the Jewish people of the day would have understood, but... The book of Revelations gives us this picture of what the return of Jesus will look like. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. So be it, Lord. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And John continues to describe this encounter with Jesus in verse 12. He says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man clothed the long white robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. John sees the resurrected Jesus in this vision, And when he does, he falls down on his face as if he were dead. I love that John is like two seconds away from passing out, and Jesus simply puts his hand on him. So personal. (coughs) Jesus tells him not to fear (coughs) and reminds him, of who he is. 
I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, but that's not who I am. I am the living one. I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. That is such a comforting and terrifying thought and moment in scripture for me because I can't help but think of the day that I'm going to see Jesus face to face. And I don't know if he'll ask me, but I know I will want to know the answer. Did I do the job you left me with, Lord? Or did I allow other parts of life to skew my purpose. And when I think about how that moment will actually happen one day, it brings an enormous amount of clarity and focus to my life and what I want to use my influence for in 2018. See, we can live in the tension that Jesus will return one day. We can choose to live in the tension or we can choose to live in the peace, knowing that we gave it everything we had. Like a boxer who left it all in the ring. The choice between tension and peace is ours. So when you are considering what filter to apply to your life in 2018, I humbly request that you factor in one question. What if this year marks the return of the king? What if it's this year? Let's just, let's let's go ahead and bow our heads in prayer. Father God, right now I pray that you would give us insight into what you want to use us for in the coming year. I pray, God, that you would place a fire in our bones, Lord, that we cannot ignore for lost people in our lives to know you. I pray that it would be like a burden that we carry. Lord, I pray that you would burden our hearts with those that don't know you, that that so desperately need you, the people that we walk by every day. And ignore. Lord, I... I thank you that one day I will see you face to face. Lord, and on that day, may I be found faithful. May we as the mission family be found faithful. Lord, we know the day is coming. We don't know when. And anybody who claims to know when is a liar. Lord, for only you know. So Lord, let us choose to live in peace with that. 
And we can't wait for the day, Lord, as described in Revelation 7, where we see a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their face before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. To your name be the glory, God. And as the ushers come forward, we'll pray for our tithes and offering. God, we thank you for the many blessings that we have, Lord. We recognize that all of it is from you. So we give back to you what is already yours now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.